Uh, this is week four, where we're going to do three different things. The first thing, uh, in case we haven't mentioned it yet, we need to mention the necessity of prayer throughout all of this process. Yeah, an unknown author wrote that, that the breath of spiritual life is prayer. Okay? The breath of spiritual life is prayer. Uh, people can go 40 days without food. We can go three days without water. We can only go a few minutes without air. It's the same way with our spiritual life. Without prayer, we're going to have a lackluster at best, if not dead, faith. So we need to remember throughout this entire process, as we are uh, looking for opportunities, listening to God as to when to share, we need to be in prayer. Now on your little bulletin insert, you can see, I won't go over all of these, but you can see uh, the ways in which we can be praying. First, we should be praying for ourselves and other believers before we even go out and share. Uh, we can pray for opportunities. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul is, is says, pray for us to have as many opportunities we, as we can to, to proclaim this good news. We can pray for love. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13.1 and Ephesians 3. When, when God gives us love for other people, it changes how we see them. When we can love the annoying person at our, co-wor- our co-worker, who's always getting on our nerves, it changes how we see Him. Now, pray also that others will see Christ in us. Colossians 1.27 and Galatians 2.20. We're hoping that when people are, are listening to us, they're not seeing James. They're not seeing Tia. They're not seeing Nathan. They're seeing Jesus in us. It's Christ that lives in us. So pray that people would see that. Pray also for boldness. Acts chapter 4, the church was getting a lot of persecution. And did they pray for an escape from that? No. Did they pray for uh, comfort? No. They prayed for safety? No. They prayed for boldness to share. And the Holy Spirit answered. You can read those verses later. Uh, Pray also for power. This is God's power, the Holy Spirit power when we can share. We saw that this past week in simple songs and in times of interaction with the kids. When God gives us the power to share, it changes lives. Now, so we need to be praying for ourselves and for other Christians who will be sharing the faith. We also need to be praying for those that don't know Jesus, who we may have an opportunity to share with. Uh, everybody, I'll remind you, go ahead and look back there at that cross. If you can't see the cross, it's because it's covered in sticky notes with names of people we have been praying for and hopefully will continue to pray for. These are our friends, our, our relatives, our co-workers who don't know Christ that we want God to give us an opportunity to share with. Now, for a lot of people, or maybe some people, they may think, I don't, I don't know how to pray for the lost. Well, we've given you a very easy uh, ten prayers this is not like the only way to pray for the lost, but this is, this is one way you can do it. And it's as simple as filling in the blank. I mean, there's, there's names up there uh, like Patrick. It'd be like number one, Lord, I pray that you draw Patrick to yourself. Number two, Lord, I, I pray that Russ will seek to know you. Uh, number three, I pray that Jody will hear and believe the word of God for what it really is. It may sound like you're just reading a line off of a off of paper, but it becomes a prayer. And God hears those. Now, each of these pray, prayers for the lost is, uh, also has Scripture on it. I would encourage you guys later today, throughout this week, take this insert home and look at these verses. Both the ones praying for ourselves and also praying for the lost. 
Prayer must be the breath of our spiritual walk. And as we share Christ with others, that prayer will breathe new life into others. I want to pray uh, for our time in worship and offering, uh, and for our continued service. And after offering, um, we're going to invite the kids back up. So let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we do recognize uh, that we can pray whenever and wherever. Uh, we can pray however. It doesn't have to be a fill-in-the-blank line. It can just come from our heart. Uh, or it can be the prayers of others that have been written for, uh, for years or decades or centuries. Uh, we thank you that you give us direct access to yourself through Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you that we can come boldly and confidently into the throne room uh, because of Christ's blood. And I pray, Lord, that you would nudge us and prompt us to take advantage of that. And to, to use the opportunity to pray for ourselves as we share Christ. To pray for others who will be sharing Christ. And pray for those that don't know Christ. Uh, Lord, we, we want to expect a, a big move. And if that big move has already started with the numerous hands of kids that raised, uh, raised their hands this past week, then we uh, will claim that and we'll build on that. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would bless our tithes and offerings as we give this morning. Uh, may this be an act of worship also. And uh, Lord, we, we just continue to praise you. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, discover, decide, defend. That was kind of the three key words over Vacation Bible School. It could very well have been the three key words for our, uh, our series also. Um, we're going to end up, God's gonna, when we're praying for opportunities, God's going to give us opportunities to share our faith. And one of these times, and then many of these times, you're going to just be blown away because someone's going to just say, well, how, do I, how does it happen? I want, I want to do this. I mean, that happened uh, once up in my office with a student when I was doing student ministry. I was trying to, you know, keep talking, laying out all sorts of, you know, this is what you should believe, and this is what she's like... I was wondering when you're going to ask if I could just start. So, this is awesome. So, sometimes somebody's going to come to know the Lord when you're sharing with them. Then what? What's next? I mean, because we've spent all this time praying for opportunities. We've, we've planned and prepared for ways to point them towards Scripture to let the Holy Spirit work. Then what? Well, if you flip over your bulletin insert, it says, follow up questions. The book we're basing this series on is called Sharing Jesus Without Fear, and the author, William Fay, gives ten follow-up questions. Hear the heartbeat behind these questions, and also know you don't have to ask all all ten of these. These are are, um, possibilities, these are options of things you can ask. So you can write them down, and then I would encourage you also think of other things that you would write down. Uh, Bottom line, you're going to know the person, hopefully, that you're talking to, and you're going to know how best to follow up with them. And truth be told, you should just do life with them after. So, ten questions that the author of this book recommends we ask. Uh, he He says to ask, how many sins has Christ paid for? And he ties that back into 1 John 2, verse 2, where it says this, He himself, speaking of Jesus, Jesus himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of all the world. As we're sharing Christ with people, they need to know, they need to understand that Christ did this for everyone. As the song said, his plan is for everyone to have have forgiveness. Second question. How many of your sins have been or how many of your sins does Christ remember? Um, 
you're going to end up talking to people who have done some, some things that they may think, well, Christ couldn't ever forgive me for that. God, God could, he's going to remember that forever. And yet, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 says, then God says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. Never again. That's a refreshing message. That's a welcome message to people who have feared that they've done something that God can't forgive. So how many of your sins does Christ remember? None. Okay? Where does Christ live? Again, we're hearing the heart behind this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, you've got a comforter, you've got a, a guide, you've got a counselor, a, a Holy Spirit who lives within us. And uh, you know, that, that idea is kind of weird, it's kinda, especially for those who have not grown up around the church. But it's one that people can grab a hold of also. Wow, I've got Christ living in me. So number four that this guy recommends, he says, hey, let's pray. If someone accepts Christ, let's Let's pray. They, they need to know that prayer is simple conversation with God. It's not some big rant or chant or incantation. It's just, okay, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I accept the fact that you've forgiven me, and I want you to help guide my life from here on out. My guess is that a lot of these people who we're talking to have heard uh, people who can really articulate and who can pontificate on prayers, and, and they can make it sound really high and holy and, and a lot of church language. Uh, that can be scary. So when we encourage people, hey, let's, let's pray. Let's just talk with God. It makes it accessible. Uh, number five question he likes to ask. Who's been praying for you? More than likely, they will know. Because somebody has been saying, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. So the follow-up question to that is, hey, do you know where your friend or uh, your family has been praying for you goes to church? That'd be number six. Now, the author says he asks this so he can find out if it's a, if it's a solid gospel-teaching church, a Bible-believing church. Um, I would say, you know, ask it so that you know how to follow up with them. You know, it could be a good call to somebody at that church. Hey, somebody just met the Lord. We're sending them there. Make sure you guys grab and connect with them. That's also a good way if, if you're Barb Miller and you lead somebody to the Lord on an airplane that you're never going to see again. You can then, okay, so you, your friend goes to church here, and that's where you're going. Do a little research, make that call, and that's one way you can keep in contact with them. Next question, do you know your friend's phone number? More likely they're going to say yes, then let's call them. Twofold reason for that. One, it gets them already, very quickly, talking about their faith. Being publicly, uh, publicly proclaiming what they believe. And secondly... It allows uh, people who've been praying for them to celebrate with them. And that's important. Uh, one young lady I led to the Lord up in my office. Um, who's been praying for you? Well, Rainy's been praying for me, so well, let's call her. So we, we called Rainy, and you hear the, the, the squeal and the laughter and the excitement on the other end of the line. And, and what an opportunity for people who have been praying to be able to hear, hey, that person came to know the Lord. Uh, number eight question this guy likes to ask. May I take you to church? So if they don't have a home church, then invite them to yours. But pick them up. And then sit with them. For people outside the church, church can be a, a foreign, a different place. It's like a whole different subculture. 
So bring them and then explain to them what we're doing throughout the service. I will never frown on you and I will never talk bad to you if you bring somebody to church and you are talking to them the entire time about the service. If you're talking about the game that took place the night before, I may talk to you during fellowship time, but you, you explain that, well, this is why we give offering. Well, this is why we stand while we worship. This is why we listen to a guy go up and talk for 20 or 30 minutes. Then they'll understand kind of what goes on here and how they can grow. Um, number nine, have them read one of the Gospels. We've been pointing people back to, to Scripture that talks about Jesus. The best place to learn about Jesus is in the four Gospels. Four different people's accounts of the life story of Jesus. I like to encourage people to go towards Mark. I think Mark is very accessible. I think, uh, I think it shows the humanity of Jesus as well as the divinity. And it's also the shortest gospel. So I encourage them, go, go and read it. And then come back and let's talk about this Jesus that you were able to discover. Because you guys can tell people all about Jesus, the Jesus you've experienced and the Jesus you grew up knowing. And that's great. They, they should hear your story. But they should also hear the story from Scripture. So point them back to a gospel. And number 10, follow up with them. Okay, this may seem like a no-brainer, uh, but, but do it. Um, if they've accepted Christ, the enemy's first, uh, first line of attack is to go after them. And you want to make sure that you are there to, to help uh, fend off whatever attacks they can give. I was in, I think it's sixth grade. The first time um, I led someone to the Lord, it was my neighbor, Aaron Schroeder. Okay, I don't even remember how it happened. I just remember he said yes, and he prayed to accept Jesus. And I went in. I was very excited. My family was sitting at the table. I told them about it. They were very excited. And they said, okay, go tomorrow and you know, maybe start helping him figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And, and tomorrow came, and I didn't go over there. And the next day came, and I didn't go over there. Days turned into weeks, which turned into months, which turned into years. And I had no clue whatever happened to Aaron's faith. I may have told you this before, but it was about a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago, that I got a Facebook message from Aaron Schroeder. It said, hey, James, I just wanted to thank you for planting that seed in my heart. I married a pastor's kid. We're going to church and we're living for Jesus. So follow up with them. Learn from my failure and follow up with them. Let me tell you a secret. You don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. So when you tell your friend, go and read one of the Gospels, read it together. Okay? You read chapter 1, I'll read chapter 1, we'll come back and we'll talk about something new. That's discipleship. Follow up with them. Ten simple things. You guys may be able to think of other things. Bottom line, if someone comes to know the Lord, they're entering into a family, and as part of the family, you want to walk with them. Amen? Amen. Let's get the kids back up here. Let's sing a couple more songs and we'll have a little bit more discussion as a, as a, as a congregation. So we're in section number three. We're sharing Jesus without fear. We've had somebody come to know, uh, come to know Jesus. We've followed up questions. Uh, there's also going to be times where people uh, come to you with objections. Or maybe they've explored the faith, but they have reasons not to. They have questions, they have concerns. Uh, in the book, Sharing Jesus Without Fear, he lists 36 of the most common objections. We're not going to cover all 36. 
But what we're going to do is each table has a table leader, and each table has one, uh, one common objection. So the table leader, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil their thunder, um, they're going to they're gonna read the objection, and they're going to say, how would you guys respond to that? So we're going to do a little group learning. We're going to go about five minutes of table discussion, uh, and then we'll go a minute per table after just to share what your table kind of decided, how you would respond to the common objection. Any questions? Okay, go. All right, I, I, hate, to, I hate to interrupt because there's a healthy hum going on right now. But uh, we're going to do a little group learning. Um, we may come back and, and revisit some of these, maybe in a formation hour in the fall, because it looks like these, uh, these could be good conversation pieces. So what we want to do now is just have uh, some time of group, uh, group learning, group sharing. Um, and we're going to go a minute per table, otherwise we'll be here through dinner, of, uh, of first tell us your question, and then tell us uh, a couple of overall responses that you could have come up with. Um, I'm going to start on this table right here because I sat in on it. Uh, you guys can either well, you guys can nominate somebody to talk, and I'm just going to have John nominated. Hang on, let me see. It's on. It's on. Am I good? Push me forward. Push me forward. All right. Uh, our question was, um, I've tr- or our statement was, I've tried it and it didn't work out. Um, and as we talked as a table, we would probably first uh, look and see exactly what it was that they've tried. Um, you know, we we were uh, pretty adamant that it wasn't going to be someone we just most of the time that we just met on the street. It was going to be somebody that we knew. Uh, maybe we'd known some of the things that had taken place in their lives. Um, but that we'd build up a rapport with and be able to talk to a little bit and ask them, what is it that you've tried? You know, if it's a conversion experience, what, you know, walk, let's walk through this. You know, what, what exactly, what were these steps that you took? You know, um, did you confess sin? You know, what, what is the sin in your life? Do you believe that you're a sinner? You know, go through those steps and see, see where they dropped the ball, where, where it was that, that they just kind of lost touch with with the whole idea of a relationship with God. Um, we really believe that you should really rely on the Holy Spirit because every situation is going to be different. Um, and we believe that you probably should uh, have questions that really lead, um, excuse me, uh, that uh, would explain where that conversion experience might have lost place. I kind of already mentioned that. And the last uh, was uh, we really believe that you should make sure that they know that uh, their relationship with Jesus Christ is just that. It's a relationship. It's not about, hey, go to church, do this during the week, you pray, you read your Bible, um, and you're good to go. It's all about a relationship, and that's how uh, Jesus wanted it to be. So, Very good. Very good. Thank you. That's a tough one. I've tried it, and it didn't work out. I'm going to come to your table. Do you have a nominated speaker? What was your question? And your table's response. Sure. All right. Um, our question was, or a statement also, God could not forgive me. Um, we talked about uh, in our group a lot about just being able to, knowing that God is able to forgive anything and just 
his power is all-encompassing. Um, and that if we were speaking with someone who had this question or this belief, that we just strongly emphasize God's power. Um, we also talked a little bit about um, sometimes it can be a little bit of a pride issue to believe that for some reason your sin is greater than God's power mm. and kind of keep pointing them back to, you know, God is God. Your, your sin is not larger than that. Um, we had a verse. Uh, it was Romans ten thirteen, For whomever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, and we also talked about, you know, some people would relate better to hearing a story from the word, you know, a story, not just a verse, but um, talking about other big sinners in the Bible who God personally forgave, um, such as Paul or the thief on the cross. Um, there's others, of course, but I mean, Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross. And so a lot of people can accept that because it was Jesus himself. Um, and then to finish off, we talked a little bit about how sins are truly all the same in God's eyes. And so if we could get that person to really see that God sees disobedience as disobedience and that, they're, that we're the one that puts the, you know, the ratings on them, that maybe they could for, see God's forgiveness that way. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Good conversation going at that table. So next. Our objection was, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't possibly know what truth is. And we all thought that was pretty, um, a di- pretty difficult one to <clears throat> deal with. But really, we basically, we wanted to start questioning them, ask them why. And then from that, we can get an idea, is it like a knowledge thing? Do they just not know the truth? In which case, you could basically point them to the Bible and say, we can know truth, we can know God. But then if it's more of a struggle that our culture has, which is... Um, believing that there isn't an absolute truth. And that one's a little more difficult to deal with. It goes a lot deeper. And again, I think the best thing to do, and we kind of talked about that, was to ask them questions. And from there, see if you can bring up examples of um, ways that there needs to be absolute truth, like lying, stealing, murder, all that. Um, But you don't want to have a conversation, or you don't have a confrontation. You don't want to debate them, but at the same time, Get them to think about what they actually believe. So sounds good. Can I can I see your watch? <laughs> that no. was one of the illustrations they used. Yeah. I was going to take his watch, not not give it back, because there's no absolute truth which says that he has to get his watch back. Our objection was: Why does God let bad things happen? Um, and a similar question um, a friend asked was, why does, why does, people, why does God uh, send people to hell? Well, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Never mind, forget that last one. Um, and we, we came up with um, pointing out that, that God gives us free will. He gives everybody um, the choice to either um, follow God or to do bad things and um, and to stress that that we, we don't know why those why those why people do bad things they they give in to their selfish nature um, and we, yeah and so um, but to stress that God wants more than anything to walk the rest of your journey um, with with you and that through these trials through these times that he walks you through, 
um, to make you stronger, to persevere, and to maybe even help somebody else who's going through the same thing that, that you've gone through. So, Very good. Very good. Thank you. That's a tough one to answer. A lot of people will ask that. All right. Our objection was, I don't believe that the Bible is true. So we had a unique uh, trouble in our group because we couldn't use Scripture to back up our argument because they didn't believe its validity. Um, so we spent time talking about you know, the longevity of Scripture. If it was false or if they had found contradictions, it would have been thrown out by now. You know, the fact that people trust the validity of ancient books or literature like the Odyssey, yet don't trust the validity of Scripture, the Bible, all these things. Um, but eventually we just boiled it down to the fact that, you know, all day long someone could, as someone said, ask questions. You know, if they're not going to believe, you can't just spend time arguing, debating about it, but that it boils down to faith and the fact that the Bible is more than just a book. It's a scripture that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Very good. Very good. I think you make a, make a good point that it's not going to do much good to sit and argue with people, but to be in conversation and to be in relationship with them is really what, uh, what counts. Dr. Dean, looks like you have a scholarly group here. <laughs> we, we have the uh, seniors, and that, those are the wisdom group. Okay. Uh, our que- question was, there are many religions in the world. And that's true. There are many religions in the world. But um, someone has brought to my mind here in our group words from uh, Bishop Thomas that Christianity is the only religion where God reaches out to man. The other religions, man is reaching out to God. In other words, this is the religion where you, you gain your righteousness by faith and by grace, not by works. And uh, in John 14:6, we are told by Christ himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Christianity is the only religion that has Christ as their Savior, and he is the only mediator between God and man. Uh, Incidentally, uh, it's kind of interesting, I recently found out that there is a movement in the world, started in Africa, and is now in, in the United States, combining Christian, Christianity and Islam, which is called Chrislam. Uh, the two are completely incompatible. Thank you, Dr. Dean. Good wisdom coming from your table. Okay, our question was, how can a loving God send someone to hell? Um, and it is very close to related, um, as Tim said, to how can bad things happen. But we tried not to talk too much about that. Um, and what we came up with was, um, first of all, that um, God is righteous and cannot stand sin in any way. Um, but through Jesus' death on the cross, he 
did everything possible to allow us to escape hell. Um, and because we have a choice um, and he doesn't impose his will on us, um, people do go to hell because they don't choose God. But that he, he did um, the ultimate act of having Jesus take our sin so that we didn't have to. So that was, That's good. That was the main That's point. good. Yeah. That's very good. Ties in with the table of wisdom also about God reaching out to us and doing, doing the work. Uh, good question. That question will be asked. So the question posed at our table was, what happens to people who have never heard the gospel? This was an interesting one to answer, and I think collectively we came to it. They may be judged differently. However, you may never have heard the gospel, but you can still look outside and see God's wonder. So there's many different ways to do that. I like it. That's power. Right. If I had known I was going to be delegated, uh, I probably would have took some notes. Uh, our, our objection was, but I'm a good person. And right away I said, uh, well, really? And maybe that's the wrong approach uh, personally. But... Uh, Everybody has lied. Everybody has probably cheated. And uh, it's very easy to convince them, really, you've never done that. And then uh, James 2.10 says, For whosoever keepeth the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of them all. So if you can do everything and only fail in one little area, you're still wrong. But uh, in today's age, it's pretty tough to say that you've never looked upon someone other than your spouse uh, in your heart and God says you've already committed adultery or you've hated your neighbor or your brother you've already committed murder so those are angles that we can use as we talk to our friends and neighbors very good and the other thing is you're a good person by whose standard your own or by God's very good very good Thank you. Good job without notes. I took hers. All right. So the objection we had was, I've always believed in God, which is pretty common. I've come up against that. And we kind of, we narrowed it down to kind of two things to move forward with. And one of them was just moving forward. We don't become stymied by that response we continue the relationship loving that person even if they even if we're at a loss for a response verbally or for you know a clever witticism or anything we still continue that relationship in the hopes that down the road they'll say what god do you believe in or why is your god look different than that guy's god um we also kind of came upon that it's such an open-ended question that to narrow it down, you really have to find where they're set or as far as you know what that God looks like to them or have them see what that God looks like to you. Um, Dolores had a good story about just you know being there in the workplace, being there you know, and just being that constant you know that constant Christian where people look at you and they say, I've seen you mess up, I've seen you do this, but you're still you still believe in this, you know, you, you're, you're handling this differently. And so we kind of, those were our two, our two responses. Very good. Very good. Thank you. 
We'll come back to you. I don't believe. Why? Have a conversation with the person so that you can share with them and tell them why you believe and help them to open up to you why they don't believe. Then try to get them to, by reading perhaps not the Bible, but to start out with a book that will help them how to find God and then direct them to scripture, specific scripture that would help you do that. Some other complaints were, I've had a bad experience at church. I don't want to go back. So therefore, I don't believe and I don't want to talk about it. And another question was, well, what do you do to get you through a difficult time if you don't have God to share it with you? So those are just a few of the comments that we had about I don't believe. Great. Very good. Very good. And Doug, you wrap us up. Um, our objection was there are too many hypocrites in the church. And we, yes, we kind of <laughs> laughed at that and thought, well, that's a, that's a pretty tough one, but a, but a pretty common one indeed. And we all kind of simultaneously said, yeah, you, they would be right. Yeah. There are too many hypocrites in the church. And, uh, and I think the main goal we'd want to hit on is why do they believe this? Maybe what's the experiences that they've had that's keeping them from a relationship with Christ or keeping them from knowing Christ? And then from there, uh, maybe redirecting their focus, um, saying, hey, you know, we are all sinners. We all are hypocritical at times. But, you know, as Christians, we're called to follow not each other, but follow Jesus. Mm. Maybe from there, hit one of those questions of, like, what do you know of Jesus? What do you think of Jesus? And maybe even tell him, hey, he doesn't like hypocrites either. And he's well recorded of objecting about it in, in public, too. That's kind of just some of the thoughts we had. Very good. Very good. Was it 12, 12 tables we have touched on? And there was 36 common objections in the book. Um, I'd love to be able to say, okay, we've done four weeks now. Here's your certificate. You are now trained and ready to go share Christ. Um, you'll not need to learn anything else. But the truth of the matter is that we're in the process. And we're going to continue to learn. I encourage you guys uh, to keep studying, to keep asking questions, to to keep looking up scriptures that point people in the direction of Christ. Uh, keep learning, because um, then you'll continue to grow. I would say the week of VBS is over, but the journey continues, which is great. Let's all stand together. Um, let's make it feel like church, and we'll sing the doxology.